This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Exvangelical. I have with me this week Tori Williams Douglas. Welcome to the show, Tori. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Likewise, and I'm really happy we were we were able to connect and 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 talk. Um, we actually initially connected over Twitter, and we've been uh, a part of a number of different conversations. And I think you actually summarize a lot of your um, a lot of your your story like within your <laughs> Twitter bio. Like um, you actually say, "I was a conservative Christian until they lynched Mike Brown," and that's um, that's very uh that's a lot within just a few just just one sentence um so i know we're going to talk about a lot of that um but let's talk let's get a little bit uh a little bit of your background first where where are you from what's what's your background okay um yeah absolutely i have always felt like my story even as a kid i've always felt like my story was just really weird so i um i grew up here in portland oregon where I live now, and um, so uh, I was my parents' first child, and um, so my dad is black, my mom is white, Uh, my dad grew up in Philadelphia, my mom grew up here in Oregon, Um, and my parents met when they were living in Europe, um, and then moved back to Portland. Um, They met at church. And, um, they connected and a large, a large part of their connection, I guess I should say, had to do with spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, so their, their version of Christianity was kind of unique. I feel like, um, it definitely leaned towards kind of fundamentalism, but also there was a lot of like charismatic mm, theology. Mm-hmm. There. Um, you know, name it, name it and claim it kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the, the lens through which we read the Bible. And that's like, those were the kinds of churches that we were going to is, I mean, they were pretty socially, politically very conservative and then with scripture it was just like anything goes like whatever mm-hmm. you there you can make it it's like plug and play right if you can make it work <laughs> like god will come through for you mm-hmm. um so yeah so i um grew up in that environment my parents didn't uh would not allow me to attend public school mm. um because i would be corrupted by the world of course we can't can't have that so um yeah so I was homeschooled like k through 12 um as were all of my siblings um and I this sounds really terrible and I've said it to my mom like as a joke before but I'm kind of impressed my mom didn't drown us all in the bathtub uh-huh. um, <laughs> I mean, five kids is a lot. Like five yeah, kids, that's... you never get a break from. Like, I I couldn't do that. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah, that's that's why. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> um, and you know, my 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 mom kind of like you know, my dad worked a ton, obviously, to like try to keep food on the table, and and mm. you know, we were 
really super poor, but um, my dad worked his ass off always. Um, and yeah, like church on Sunday was a non-negotiable. Um, so, you know, it was always like the classic, do I have to go to church? No, you get to go to church. <laughs> was that, and, was that sort of your, were you the, were you one of the kids that asked, like, do I have to? Yeah. I was. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, it was like Sunday morning and Sunday evening and Wednesday night. Oh um, yeah. 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 So, I mean, it was like, it was a lot, <laughs> um, you know, and, but that also, that was, was my, I was motivated to go in large part cause that was my only real social outlet and mm -hmm. I'm a really big extrovert. So, uh, most of the time I did want to go to church, uh, <laughs> just to like see people get out of the house, be around other humans I wasn't related to. Um, so that was kind of. Yeah, that was kind of my whole childhood. I didn't really, I didn't really question it. Um, you know, my, my parents are, my mom mostly, but both my parents are very politically involved. Um, Oregon's a pretty consistently blue state for as long as I can remember. But uh, my mom was involved with like Eagle Forum um, and other kind of initiatives to like make abortion illegal, um, which they've tried to do in Oregon lots of times and it hasn't happened. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think of like what else she, um, but it's kind of those kinds of initiatives that, you know, were very classically like, I don't know, evangelical. Mm -hmm. We're going to take over, we're going to take over the government. Like we're going to train our kids to be really good at, I don't know, like apologetics and, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going to study Latin and have really good arguments so that when people try to tell us that like God didn't literally create the world in six days, we are always going to have an answer. So, um, that was really, that was really like just of, of my childhood. And, and yeah, like I didn't, I didn't question that at all while I lived at home, like not even a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, so so what was yeah. so your your homeschool curriculum was it one of the ones that is is sort of common within evangelical circles as far as Rebecca or one of the other or the Bob Jones like curriculum or was was um because I I I I'm learning more and more about the homeschool sort of movement and everything but it's sort of you know I I feel like it's it's very much roll your own and for, even though even though there there are all these curriculums that are very popular so. As far as the way you were taught at home and being homeschooled throughout K through 12, how was that for you? Um, so it was always, it was always explicitly religious curriculum. Um, mm -hmm. so first grade through, or sorry, kindergarten, I guess, through, um, eighth grade, um, we used, uh, Rod and Staff, which is a Mennonite curriculum, um, so I, that was way more conservative than even my parents were. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, then after that, for high school, um, we use Christian Liberty, and they kind of piece stuff together. So I think that they use some of Becca and some of the other more popular kind of Christian um, homeschool textbooks. Um, so they kind of build it the way that they think they 
your particular student will need it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so it was pretty, it was, it was mostly the big names, like once I got into high school. So gotcha. yeah. And as far as your, your, you mentioned that you attended sort of charismatic leaning churches. What, what were the church environments like for you? Um, so church, I mean, they, there were lots of prayer meetings. Um, there were people being slain in the spirit. Um, we would definitely sing the same song for like 20 or 30 minutes over and over and over again because, you know, the spirit was moving. <laughs> Wait. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> you know, at the time, like I had no idea, like that was, that was all I knew. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then once I basically like bef- about a year before high school, so like seventh in a seventh grade, beginning of eighth grade, um, my parents are going to a... Um, and Assemblies of God Church, um, which is actually where they where they still go to church. So um, it wasn't quite as like off the walls with um, the spiritual aspect. Um, service still sometimes gets interrupted if someone like gets a word from God that they feel like they need to share. Um, but generally speaking, it's it's a lot more straightforward, kind of traditional, you know do a couple songs mm. and whatever your tithes and things <laughs> and, and a yeah. shorter, shorter ish sermon and then kind of wrap it up. So, um, that wasn't, that was a little bit more stable, I think, than like these kind of church plants that we'd been attending before where people just felt called by God to like start their, their own church. Um, because they were concerned about, you know, different, different things. So there was definitely a lot of like fear based, um, kind of theology in that. Um, there were a lot of, you know, people were very worried about like the antichrist and like the gay agenda and like, why isn't America mentioned in the book of revelations and, and, um, (laughs) different, different things like that. So there was definitely like, there's definitely a lot of fear-based theology that that came out of that um uh in in a lot of ways I think that's probably why I didn't question it so much was just because I was like well this is you know this is right and I had you know I had good answers and I also had like these made-up scenarios where these answers were needed (laughs) um So, yeah, I mean, I like I had like I had Bible class like every single year, like of school. Mm-hmm. Um, so we definitely got like a lot of that and we did family devotions, you know, every day. And so, yeah, I, I basically feel like I went to church daily for my entire childhood. Yeah. Yeah. And how, um, how did that I mean, just in general, how did that like affect you and especially as you sort of developed because i mean as you develop from being a young child to like a teenager and all those other things like the way you sort of grapple with religious ideas can change and a lot of people get those within get that within the context of like youth group and 
again, like you mentioned, like being taught apologetics, like, okay, you're going, you're getting older now. You're going to need to answer these questions yourself. You know, you're going to need to be able to answer these questions people give you. Um, how did that, uh, how did, how did you feel about those sorts of expectations upon you and just your general sort of, um, just your general sort of response? Um, I mean, again, like my environment was so controlled that I really didn't, I mean, I didn't realize like how different for, for most people, um, <laughs> even like Christian families, like I had mm-hmm. no idea, um, you know, my, my parents were really specific about like the people that they associated with and it was, you know, the people that they spent time with were all very similar. Like that is exactly how they raised their kids. Like. They were homeschooling and they were doing family devotions every single day and, you know, like reading through the whole Bible every year and, um, you know, taking their kids to church multiple times a week. Um, very, like very conservative politically. Um, so really I, I never, I never really questioned, I never questioned Christianity and I never really questioned like conservative politics. Mm -hmm. Um, so was that a little odd in um, being in Portland? I mean, that's known just it's known as a more liberal place. Was Did that sort of accentuate that sort of feeling that that you're like in the world but not of it sort of thing? Like <laughs> um, speaking as someone that that grew up in a conservative leaning home and was in but it was in Indiana where it's red, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's. I think that it was, I mean, I think that growing up in Portland, um, was really good for me, mm-hmm. um, because it did kind of expose me, I think earlier to, um, different points of view, different individuals. Um, I think that there was, you know, there was always, well, I mean, probably starting in high school, I think is when it got really the whole, the whole, you know, stop the gay agenda thing got really popular. Um, when I was in high school, so like late nineties, like early ish, two thousands, um, um, there was a, there was a ballot measure, um, in Oregon to constitutionally define marriages between a man and a woman, which is super ridiculous in Oregon because, you know, there's a woman here in Portland who married her house and there's somebody else who like married their dog and people like married themselves (laughs) now. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this was like, and, and like this, this ballot initiative didn't pass. I don't think, um, I can't remember. It got kicked around a whole bunch, but I think that like, I think it was good because I was able to like, once I finished high school and like started working, I, you know, met a lot of really cool people and it's like, Oh yeah. Like you're very clearly gay and you're very clearly awesome. Like <laughs> I am not afraid of you. <laughs> yeah. So I think that having that, I think having Portland culturally um, was really good for me. Um, and I'm also like a very empathetic person in general. So a lot of, I mean, I, I was getting a lot of stuff, but it didn't, a lot of it wasn't sticking very well, you know, um, especially like the kind of anti-LGBT um, narrative that I was getting was just like, 
yeah, like, if my kid's gay, like, I'm not going to kick him out of the house. Like, it's not going to change how I feel about him. Like, why would I feel differently? Like, I just, like, it didn't connect. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, remember, I was just like, that's weird. Like, why would you, why would you, like, it's your child. <laughs> like, why would you feel differently about them just because they came out of the closet? Um, so little things like that, like, didn't really stick to me very well, um, because I'm not a very, um, trying to think of how to put this. I'm just like my, by nature, I'm not a fundamentalist. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm always looking for like better answers and better solutions and like ways to improve relationships and like ways for people to like get along better. (laughs) Um, (laughs) while also being like fully honest and fully themselves. And so, Mm -hmm. um, for me, I was just like, yeah, if you're trying to get me, I mean, even in high school, it was just like, yeah, if you're trying to get rid of, like, tell me to get rid of my kid, like, I'm out. Like, this isn't, that's not, that's not an option for me. Um, and, you know, I never, I never said that to anyone because it wasn't an issue. I didn't have a child, you know, when I was in high school, but it was just always very apparent to me that it was like, okay, this is dumb. Like, <laughs> destroy a relationship over this um so yeah well I didn't question Christianity I didn't really question conservative politics um I definitely have always been a very relational person like relationally driven Mm -hmm. and so um I think that that kind of saved me from getting too deep in the weeds um in that kind of mentality once I was like out of high school slash out of the house (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um so i um i'm sorry if i'm gonna ask this in a clumsy way i because i know that we're gonna i know that this is going to be part of our conversation um and i'm just being very honest i i don't know how to like it's very hard for me to to ask um ask about Ask, basically ask about race without like coming across as a total ass or a dick or like you know like um like it's uh yeah i just um i'm still trying to formulate that but i mean that's just like um uh, because i acknowledge that i'm a straight white guy uh and i like that's just but that is what it is um so i i know that uh I'm going to be really clumsy about this, but, um, no, so I apologize. Okay. <laughs> um, I can but, tell you how to do it better. What's that? I can tell you how to ask it better next oh, time. Yes. Okay. So maybe, <laughs> maybe you can even tell me right now. Okay. Um, but I really, um, as far as being within these circumstances, um, and this is just an open question for you, as far as your family life and like your church life, uh, and everything, how is that impacted by the fact that your you your parents are an interracial couple? Um, was that did that was an was that an issue for people within um, within your church community? I mean, how did that sort of dynamic play out? Um, I was really raised in like a air quotes racially colorblind um, way. I guess. Um, by the way, the way that you asked that question was fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it didn't. It didn't come up a whole lot. Um, I tried to start conversations about um, 
race and racism, um, you know, just in within my own family. And they usually just kind of got like shot down. It was like, oh, that's a non-issue. Hmm. Um, so it wasn't something that I thought about a whole lot until probably high school when I started realizing like a lot of the time, you know, when something was going on at church was like, Oh, I'm the only person here who is not white. Okay. Um, and like, it was a fairly large church and Portland's an extremely white place, but still <laughs> like if you, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was still, it was still not uncommon for me to be the only person of color. I mean, other than like a, one of my siblings, maybe, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. at an event. Um, so, and honestly like that, didn't bother me until like the comment section of the internet let me know exactly what people were thinking about me without saying, um, which means like in the last five to 10 years, <laughs> like yeah. it bothered yeah. me a whole lot. I didn't feel threatened in those space in all white spaces, um, as a kid, cause I really had no idea what people were thinking, but you know, now thanks to the internet, I know exactly what people are thinking and it's kind of horrifying. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, yeah, but we didn't really we didn't really have a lot of conversations about race. Um, you know, I I met my dad's mom one time, um, and his whole family is still like on the East Coast, and you know we didn't have any money, so it wasn't like we were going to visit or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I didn't have like I didn't have my first black friend until I was in college, like college age. Um, and, um, I mean, honestly, like that was kind of, it was kind of intentional. It's kind of what, you know, like, like every aspect of my childhood, like it was, it was by design. So, Mm -hmm. so let's segue into that part. When, when college, what that college age time, what was that like for you? Um, so that was what was that like for me? I'm trying to think like, I mean, I still was, I still was pretty, um, I still was quite conservative politically. I was still like an evangelical Christian. Um, I really didn't think that that would ever change. I mean, at that age, it was like, yeah, like 19, 20, 21 in there. I was like, you know, I was all in still. Um, it was kind of hard relationally, um, especially like with family, because it was kind of, that was when I realized it was that, that age, that time of my life when I realized, um, how important, uh, appearances are within like evangelical circles, mm. especially like, within evangelical families. Um, again, kind of circling back to the whole idea of like, if your child is gay, you need to like not communicate with them, things like that. Um, because it's like that so doesn't glorify God or whatever. Um, so, but also there's a lot of just like kind of keeping up appearances. There's not a lot of um, openness or um, there's not a lot of space. They don't hold space for people to be like authentically themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know, like, like being racially quote unquote racially colorblind and like anti LGBT, um, 
and all the, all these other things, um, there's there's this aspect of like we have to, you know, part of our witness is like appearing a certain way, I guess, um, which like that that again like that never sat with me. Like I didn't I didn't question Christianity at all, um, but I was just like this is this is ridiculous. Like relationships are more important than like making sure everybody thinks that you're like a godly person. Um, you know, whatever that happens to look like in your particular faith circle, I guess. But yeah. yeah, yeah. I, so that was, that was, that was a really difficult season for me. Like coming to the realization that it was like my, my value within like my community and family was in large part directly um, directly correlated with my behavior. Like yeah. if I stayed in line, if I didn't ask questions, then like things were fine. And if I, you know, whatever acted out or um, made a bad decision, right? Because I made plenty of those, like everyone does. Um, <laughs> it was like, oh. Like you, you lost points. Like your your value has diminished. Um, so yeah, and this is like again, this is like like all kinds of stuff. It's like relationships with people who aren't like Christians. Um, you know, premarital sex, like associating with people who are LGBT. Just all of those kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> wow, like you can't, you can't do these things and still like have any kind of, um, you don't have any value, right. In our, in our circles. Um, right. They're like demerits. <laughs> yeah. 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 You get exactly. like a point system. Right. Um, yeah. so that was like, that was extremely hard for me. And so, um, I started, I started seeing a therapist think it was like 20 22 maybe um because it was just like I and I, I another thing was like I didn't have the skills to sort through all of this right so I'm having my entire world kind of like crushed mm-hmm. because I like I was loved and valued by God and my family and my community because I was a person not because I like behaved the right way um in every situation and like realizing that that wasn't true was just like emotionally devastating for me. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't respond to that well. And then I didn't, on top of that, didn't have the skill set to like work through all, of, <laughs> all the ways that I was feeling and like without lashing out. Right. So right. did that, you know, therapy was hugely helpful in like giving me like terms, you know, even, even like, you know, this person is also an evangelical, but just like giving me the terms, like the words to be able to express like, how I'm feeling and like my value as a person, like not being dependent on, you know, family and faith circles and like what people think of me, but being like solely dependent on God. Like that was really, that was really, I really needed that. Um, Mm -hmm. because yeah, like I was definitely, I was definitely flailing for a while. Um, just not really sure like how to navigate any, any of that. So yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of um, counseling if anybody needs it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just 
that because it's really it's really helpful, especially if you know communication skills and like naming emotions and things like that aren't something that you were raised with. So right, yeah, absolutely. Therapy is a wonderful tool for all sorts of all sorts of things. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, were there any any in particular like um, you mentioned in particular like naming things? Um, was there anything in particular that your therapist was able to help you name and sort of tease out as far as um, as far as either things you had to communicate to yourself or to others? Mm. Uh, I mean, yeah. you don't, I'm sorry, you don't you don't have to feel obligated to to answer. <laughs> but if oh no, but, no, it's good. I mean, it's been over ten years. Like I've definitely mm. had a lot of time to process now. Um, well, ten years since the first time I went to therapy. I've been to therapy mm. several sense um uh yeah so one of the one of the um really powerful things for me was um being able to find like find and name my values like things that were important to me Mm -hmm. and um things that couldn't be taken away from me um so that was like that was huge like being able to sit down and say okay these are the things that i value these are and i'm going to strive to make my decisions based on my values right and they're like my own. They're not given to me by the church or by my parents or by a pastor or, you know, by a peer, since all of my peers were Christians, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, these are my values. They're my own. And I can make, I can build my own life with my values. So one of the things that, yeah, was really helpful was just like, that my therapist wanted was just like, go and like, make a list of like the five traits that you think are the most important that like resonate with you as a person, not like things that you're like, Oh, this is amazing, but that's not really me. Um, but the things that really resonate with you, like with your own personality. And, um, so that was huge. And then also like, that was like the first time I learned about, um, putting up relational boundaries. Like, I don't like how you're treating me. Doesn't make me feel good. My feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not going to, to treat me like this and if you do then you will not be allowed to communicate with me or whatever the case may be but just like putting about uh, putting up boundaries and like sticking to them um just as a way to like protect yourself not because you're like malicious um but i mean sometimes you do like need that need to create that space to like take care of yourself especially if you're if you're consistently interacting with people who are not helping you or like building you up or, you know, empowering you to become a better person. Mm-hmm. That was like a game changer for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's something that's, that's common with a lot of people from evangelical circles is like issues with boundaries. Like, uh, you know, like it's very interesting. Um, within like the Facebook group, um, there've been conversations around boundaries and like, um, feeling sort of unmoored when you leave evangelicalism and people are are uh used to like being so uh, i'm putting up like air quotes but like so close you know like because a lot of times people are just in your business you know but like (laughs) but other times uh, there there are also very genuine very deep relationships it's not it's it's both and it's not either or but um but yeah boundaries yeah, that seems to be like a very important thing for people to learn that may uh, have been may have been brought up in uh, evangelicalism and, and have trouble with that. Like, 
I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if it's like a combination of the church culture plus like this idea that, you know, God knows everything like and like is watching you all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like there's no there's no framework for like consent within evangelical thought. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like we don't really. Yeah. It's like God's kind of the one calling all of the shots and you don't you don't get it say it doesn't matter if you like it or not and god doesn't care if you like it or not like you're gonna do it and so that's kind of like that kind of filters into like people's parenting of like i don't care if you like it or not you're gonna do it and if you don't i'm you're gonna be sorry and mm. it's like the way people pastor which is horrifying i mean <laughs> like yeah there's there's so much there that like needs to be unpacked but um yeah i definitely think that like like boundaries are a good thing and like teaching people to respect other human beings right. not because of their behavior but because they are human beings like, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like hugely important <laughs> yeah absolutely so within this um uh during this during this time this like college age time are you at like a christian college or are you like a college and working what's your circumstance where you're like um where you're getting exposure to all these different experiences different um, people that you know expanded your horizons as far as the type of people and lives that can be lived um, because you had a, a, a very tight-knit sort of insular experience up until college um, what um, what what was that wider experience like for you and we, we talked a little bit about we talked uh, you know you talked a lot about your sort of internal experience and all the things you're processing within evangelicalism but what um, and uh, and everything. Uh, what what were some of the catalysts for that? Mm, yeah. Um, so let's see. So my parents really, you know, wanted me to go to a Christian college, um, and um, so I went to a Christian school for like I don't know, like one semester, I think, and. Um, <laughs> just like I don't know what I want to do and this is really expensive and my parents can't afford it so um maybe I'll like take some classes at the community college um so I mean that and that was good like I ended up taking a political science class and so I was exposed to something other than like you know conservative thinking um I remember I went back home and told my mom about how you know it was like we need to have universal health care. <laughs> like, Relevant. <laughs> you know, proceeded to tell me this horror story about how my dad had like this horrific dentist appointment when he was living in Europe. And it was because the doctors were all socialists and they don't care about people. And so they made your dad suffer. Um, so <laughs> you know, that kind of, I didn't really think about that a whole lot afterwards. So I was like, oh, well, I guess that doesn't work because socialists are evil and they're trying to murder people. And, <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, but like having classes with, um, different people from different backgrounds were a lot more Portland, a lot more liberal, <laughs> yeah. um, you, you know, it's very white liberal, but it's still very liberal. Um, and then, yeah, also working. Um, so didn't really stick with the whole college thing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And ended up, ended up getting a job. Um, and, um, yeah, so mm-hmm. I think that like, something, like, yeah, so I didn't really start with college, I ended up getting a job, and then, 
um, met someone and um, this did not make my parents very happy because he was not the right kind of Christian. And um, <laughs> so I think I was like, I think I was 22 at the time and my parents um, decided to ground me. Um, and so I was not allowed to leave the house except uh, to go to work at church. <laughs> mm. And I was like, um, yeah, this is not cool. So I, so I ended up, I, yeah, I think I was 22. I can't remember exactly, but I think, I think I was 22, but I, um, so I ended up moving in with my boyfriend and my parents were extremely displeased about this. And, <laughs> um, so I ended up getting, you know, probably every like two months, three months, I would end up getting like either an email or a letter or a phone call talking about how I was living in sin and like I needed to repent I needed to move home and like be under authority. Mm. (laughs) Um, You know, kind of like the classic, the classic evangelical lines um, that, that are, you know, used for people on people um, to kind of control their behavior. And um, thankfully it was like, thankfully it was, for the most part, it was an extremely positive and like affirming relationship. Um, affirming of me as like a human being. Um, <laughs> so, um, that I think like that was really like that was really huge for me to like live with someone who kind of like loved me unconditionally. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not like a, it wasn't, it wasn't perfect again. Like, I'm not trying to say that, like, sugarcoat anything, but like, it really was like a positive experience in my life, you know, even, mm-hmm. even though I was like, quote unquote, living in sin. Um, so yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of interesting. Um, and then after that, I, um, decided like, okay, I think that I'm, after that relationship ended, I was like, I probably need to like go back to like evangelicalism, um, and like kind of conservative thinking. Um, so yeah, after that relationship was over, I kind of moved back into like the more traditional kind of churchy, you know, church several times a week and, um, you know, no sex obviously because God can't handle sex. Um, and, uh, yeah. So like just being friends with everyone and spending time with all these like really, really privileged people, <laughs> <laughs> Um, at my church uh so that was it was kind of wild like that was its own little experience but um yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was my exposure to like other other like ways of existing in the world without being smitten by god (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good way to put it (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 Um, so what, how, how long is this, how long is this period up until, um, I definitely want, I want to talk about your experience with, and how, um, 
I, I've gotten to know you through Twitter and you talk a lot about race in the church and you talk a lot about um, what that is really what was this driving force between um, between your sort of leaving evangelicalism permanently and, and examining how deeply racism goes into Christianity, white Christianity. Um, lead, I guess, lead us up into that point for you. Um, if there's like, if there's a way to summarize that, or if we just need to launch right into it, however, however you really sort of want to approach that. Um, but, uh, and I know, so just to contextualize, <laughs> like, we're uh, just to contextualize a little bit. I mean, we we've talked about that. We've been messaging uh, for a while, but now it's uh, the, the date we're recording is August nineteenth. It's a week after Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, people will know what that means when they listen to this. Um, I think they're going to know what that means for a very long time. Um, so getting that's present in both of our minds as we have this conversation. Um, but yeah, what's uh, I'm just going to hand it over to you now uh, with that little bit of context about like what, um, um, what's going on right now. <laughs> so, um, right. So I, you know, I decided, you know, I wanted to like jump like headfirst back into kind of evangelical, um, evangelical world and, um, you know, do things the right way. And, um, so within a couple of years, I wound up at uh, Mars Hill Church um, up in Seattle, and um, that was, it felt for me at the time, like, it felt really kind of, like, comforting to be in, like, a theological context where there were, like, these kind of hard and fast rules, like, stuff didn't change. You couldn't pull Bible verses from random places and, like, throw them together and make yourself a Bible salad or something. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, just, you couldn't, you couldn't just cherry pick verses. Like they were a lot more into like the whole systematic theology, even though it was like systematic, like white male theology <laughs> yeah. organized in a way that I had not been exposed to, um, mm. prior to that. So, um, as, so spent several several years at Mars Hill, and um, it was kind of when Mars Hill was starting to implode that um, I kind of was like, oh wow, like people, like people, it was you know because the timing was exactly the same as like Mars Hill, like really starting to go under, and um, Michael Brown being murdered or basically like the same week. And so, um, you know, people like everybody in like the reform circle was basically like online every single day. And then people who were kind of outside of like the reform Calvinist, like X 29 group, like they were all online every day too, because they were like, Oh, like what the hell is happening over there? Like, um, and so it's like, there's all this gossip kind of flying around and like all these rumors. And then, and then suddenly like Ferguson, Missouri is on fire. And so everybody who's like trying, like trying to figure out like what the heck is going on with Mark um, Driscoll context. Mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden they're like, Oh wow. Like 
black people are being horrid. Like they always are. Um, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly like that, but that was kind of, I mean, that was really like how it felt. Um, you know, I, I remember kind of like getting, I remember getting online that night and just like seeing the, the like most like dehumanizing vitriolic conversations, um, about, you know, Ferguson specifically and black Americans in general and, and, um, you know, people kind of reinforcing this idea that like the police are always right, even if they make the wrong decision kind of thing. And, you know, obviously like Michael Brown was a thug who didn't deserve to live. And, um, you know, because there's no way to redeem an 18 year old, like they're lost. Um, <laughs> so, um, there was just, but there was no, there was no grace. There was no empathy. Like people, like all of my, I shouldn't say all there was, most people said nothing like, like. I knew that people were seeing this because it was like everything that everyone was posting, but like most like white Christian people in my circle didn't say anything about it. And then some people said, some people shared like articles by black pastors who were also condemning Mike Brown and saying that, you know, the wages of sin is death. And it's like, uh, well, he's like stole a pack of cigarettes maybe we think. And like, that's really, you're going to, like, start shooting people <laughs> for petty theft? Like, really? Okay. Like, and so all of a sudden, it, there was, like, this huge break, right, between, like, what people said. Like, we, you know, we love our neighbors and, like, doesn't matter, like, how people behave. Like, God loves people anyway. And, um, you know, we just want what's best for people. And, like, God wants what's best for people. And that's why he gives us these commands. And that's why we live the way we live. And it was, like... All of a sudden, like, people's closets flew open, right? And, like, instead of skeletons, it's a bunch of sheets. Like, um, and I was just, I was, like, I was just floored. Like, I could not believe how, like, I couldn't, I, like, I don't even like really using the word racist because nobody in this country is a racist, amazingly. Um, we're really lucky. Um but, um, yeah, just, it's just, like, mind-blowing to me that it's, like, these people who are, like, oh, yeah, like, we love God and we love our neighbors. It's, like, oh, unless you're black, a police officer accuses you of doing something really stupid, like, in that case, like, you're, you know, you deserve whatever you get, like, up to and including being executed in the middle of the street. I don't know. It was like, it was just, it's still, I'm not very good. I'm not very good at articulating like exactly, um, what that experience was like. Um, but it was kind of, I feel like it was kind of like the second time the church really, or like evangelicalism specifically really like let me down hard. Like I really sincerely believed that like I was loved and it was like that, that night I was like, oh, wow, like, you people do not give a shit about me. Like, if I was shot by a police officer, like, you'd be shitting on my grave. Like, you were, you know, I like, I don't know what the rules are exactly as far as, like, who gets justice and who doesn't. But I, it's pretty clear that, like, if you're not white, like, you are irrelevant. Like, your life, your experiences, um, like, they're just invalid. You know, so it, it was like, and so I, I think that that shed a lot of light 
um, on like just yeah like the fact that like evangelical Christianity in the U.S. is not like it's never it's never dealt with its own racism you know it's just kind of like swept it under the rug um and I mean <laughs> it's it's just yeah to me it's still it's still kind of it's still kind of mind-blowing like I just I don't even again like I don't even have the ability to articulate effectively like what like what I felt and what I saw and how like how shocking it is to realize that people who call themselves Christians like call themselves like believers and Jesus followers like you know if every black person in this country was gone tomorrow like just, like they're like, okay, we're just, you know, we're done with you. Like mass executions. They'd be like, meh, whatever. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Well, glad to know like where I stand, right? Um, so I think that like, um, that, that was just like incredibly hard, incredibly difficult for me to process. And I think part of the reason why I'm just like, I can't. <laughs> Like, I can't keep doing this. Like, this is, this is not okay. And you people are like morally revolting because there's no consistency between like what you say and what you do. Um, and so that was the point when I kind of started like digging into, um, digging into this aspect of like my life and my experiences and like not shying away from them because in in white evangelical spaces, like there's not, there's not room for conversations about race or racism. And if you experience racism, like you have to have a white person vouch for your experience. Otherwise it didn't happen or you misinterpreted it or like you're exaggerating, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, this, this was kind of the point where I was like, okay, well, I'm like done holding people's hands and like protecting people's feelings because it doesn't like it doesn't matter it's not going to get me anywhere like mm -hmm. if, um mm -hmm. like you're not you're not allowing because my experiences don't line up with your worldview you just automatically negate them like you're not even willing to have a conversation so i'm just going to take that as an invitation to be like completely like brutally honest and not like try to like protect anyone's little feelers or, um, or like kind of skirt around these conversations. Like, I'm just going to go, like, I'm just going to go for it because there's not anything I can say or do to like get people to like, listen to me or believe me, except to be like brutally honest. And, you know, I mean, it's still, it still is the case that like, I get, you know, a ton of pushback. Um, from like white evangelical Christians who say that I'm, I'm the one that's actually hateful and, um, you know, I need to support the police and whatever. Cause that's, that's like, that's what it says in Romans, right? Romans 13, support the police no matter what. <laughs> so that was kind of, so that was kind of like the turning point for me. Um, and the point where I kind of <laughs> was like, I'm sorry. It's like, dear white people, I'm sorry, but I no longer give a shit about your feelings. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, 
like, I don't mean that like literally like across the board, like I don't care. Like I, I do care about people who have invested in me and I try to be respectful of them. But like on the whole, like you don't get to come and police my experiences. Like you don't get to come and tell me like what I can and can't say and like what has and hasn't happened to me. Um, and I think that like, as a woman, like this happens to you anyway, right? Like your experiences are kind of policed and your body is policed and you're told like what you can and can't do and what didn't, didn't happen, what did and did not happen to you. Um, but I think like as a woman of color, especially as a black woman, because like, like, I mean, other than like trans black women, like we're at the very bottom of the hierarchy, the racial hierarchy, racial gender hierarchy in society. And so, um, it's like, yeah, everybody, like everybody expects you to do like their kind of their emotional labor and everybody expects you to like educate them like one-on-one -on, -one on every single thing, even though <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's like every single time you fail the test, like why am I still teaching you? <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that I kind of got to the point where um, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, if that's how it's going to be, like, you can keep living in your bubble and I'm just going to keep, you know, shouting, I guess. Like, you know, it's this whole idea of, like, being a voice in the wilderness. And I think that also there's, yeah, I think there's also kind of this aspect of, like, the whole racist trope about, like, black women being angry, right? because that scares people. Um, black anger in general scares white America, I think, because potentially <laughs> they're worried that like we're angry about something legitimate and might act on our anger. <laughs> um, which I'm like, what do you, like, again, it's like, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> like, just think this through. Like, you think that like black people are going to enslave you? Like, really? Like, that's, there's no way. <laughs> Like, we're not trying to, like, get back at you or, like, you know, it's not an eye for an eye, um, but people really, I don't know why, I don't know why, but people really, really struggle with this. But I think, again, in terms of, like, evangelical spaces and, like, there's not, there's not a framework to be able to, like, have these conversations, right, about, like, power disparities. It's just like, oh, no, like, everyone's equal. It's like, but you don't even give everyone an equal voice. Mm -hmm. It's like. Yeah, but it, everyone's equal because we said so. And it's like, okay, so are you going to let, like, a black woman preach? It's like, well, no, because God said we couldn't do that. <laughs> so, like, this, like, again, like, like with consent, <laughs> with race and, like, power disparities and power dynamics, like, there's no, there's no framework within evangelicalism to have these kinds of conversations. Um, so I think that that, at least for people in my situation, like, I think that's part of why it's like, so it's just so damn exhausting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to educate people on like power disparities. Right. And like you, I mean, you have, you're having conversations with people where like everybody's equal and it's like, okay, so how come, I mean, just like as an example, like how come 85% of CEOs in America are like white men if everyone's equal? <laughs> and then you kind of go down this rabbit trail of like, well, they're just better suited to yada, yada, yada. And, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't go anywhere. So you have to like start at the very 
it was started like the very bottom and it's like with every single conversation um which is kind of why I tried to like start putting my thoughts into um a more cohesive <laughs> uh more cohesive place on my blog because it's just like I keep having to have these same conversations over and over and over and over and over and like you know sometimes it really is worth it like sometimes there's payoff there but it's like it's a lot of work for like one person to show up <laughs> 18 months later like I decided that it's really important to like listen to black voices like oh my gosh <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad that you decided this. It's like, do you know, like, how much work, like, literal work and emotional work, like, that I've been to, like, get to this point? And it's like, one person, really? Okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, I'm still here, though. So if you want to ask questions, I'm sure I will I'll feel better tomorrow and be willing to answer them. Um, <laughs> not like writing people off. I still think that it's like necessary work, but also like trying to encourage people to like educate themselves instead of asking someone to like hold their hand, like the whole, while they walk from like white patriarchy to like, I don't know where am I right now? I'm not even sure where I am. Like <laughs> spiritually, politically, philosophically, theologically, like I don't even yeah. really know, but like, Anything that's moving away from, like, white patriarchy is probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, so. Yeah. And speaking of someone that uh, that embodies a lot of that, just, yes, it's good to move away from that. <laughs> and absolutely, unequivocally, yes. <laughs> um, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do want to say, I mean, just as, as far as uh, what you were mentioning there, just at the very end, I, your, the conver you are very willing to have conversations with people on Twitter, and they are honest, and they are just like, okay, go educate yourself. And I think that's, like, I think, um, the word that, the word that, like, comes to mind, I, I, I want to, just because it's a phrase, it's like, uh, I think that's fair. Like that's the, but it's not even, it's like fair isn't even in the ballpark. Like it's like, it's, you know, it's, it should be expected that, that, that people should not have to ask those that are subject to white patriarchy and being victims of it to, um, explain why they're a victim. <laughs> um, uh, but I mean, I know that it, I know that it happens, and I know that it's just kind of the way that online discourse happens, where it's like, well, what about you know, what about this, and what about that, and like people just don't, uh, you know, they think they're just having a conversation, um, which they are, but they're also like putting all this onus upon the person they're asking the question to, instead of just you know opening up a new tab and googling it themselves, like a freaking grown up, <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean i like uh yeah just that just to that very last point um i mean you're you are very 
in just in in watching you converse with people, you are very. Um, I I I I see it as successful. I I and I know that that you're a much better barometer of success there as far as because you're the one discussing it with them. But but though yeah, um, and not that you even <laughs> you know need my feedback <laughs> because you don't. But um, but I I just. I I just wanted I honestly I just wanted to affirm you and that I I see I see your intent played out. <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate that. Um, because yeah, it's like sometimes I do kind of feel like I'm just like screaming at a wall. Mm-hmm. So which is basically <laughs> the best description of Twitter ever. Yeah, just... I know. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Um, just screaming yeah, into the so... darkness. <laughs> <laughs> yup. Exactly. Um, <laughs> to like it's nice to get some like outside feedback honestly because yeah, yeah. sometimes like it's really hard to see it's like am i making any kind of a difference here really because it doesn't feel that way sometimes mm. yeah uh you mentioned your blog and i do want to talk about um are, are you all right talking about um your most recent piece i i mean it's um it's a very really? it's um it's you published it earlier this earlier this month in August, um, and it's it's called uh, "The Day I Learned White Christians Hate Me," and um, you mention in the end of the end of the blog post that people should sit and um, later in the not at the very close to the end you say like sit in the un- discomfort. Um, I'm because this is a podcast and you may not have read it. I'm going to tell you at the beginning of this sit in the discomfort. <laughs> um, People like me that need to hear what you have to say. Um, so uh, you you wrote um, at length about how Ferguson in particular was this beginning point to understanding that your perspective wasn't um, wasn't valued. Um, uh, are you is it is it okay if I quote a couple pieces of it? Is that all right? Of course, totally. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, you write it in uh, really in as 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 a letter directly to white evangelical Christians, um, uh, and I'm gonna you say, dear white evangelical Christians, I sincerely believe you love me because God loved me. Now I know for a fact that you do not. Um, I know that that night, mentioning uh, referring to the night. Uh, Michael Brown was killed. Um, that white Christians do not love me. You claim you do, but I'm a black woman in America. I'm not stupid. I hear what you say. I see what you write. I observe how you behave. Um, I'm going to skip a little uh, the remainder of that paragraph and go to a couple other parts. Um, how do you hate me? Let me count the ways. I know you hate me when you jump to defend cops. I know you hate me when you jump to defend roadside executions. I know you hate me when you say he probably deserved it. I know you hate me when you call me a liar because my experiences are different than your own. Um, and it, con- it continues. I am going to link to it in the blog. I'm sorry, in the show notes. And I highly recommend everyone listen to it. Uh, read it and read it all the way through. Um, this, uh, this is... <laughs> really, I mean such a painfully honest um condemnation of oh really of um so much (laughs) and 
I don't. I don't really know how to frame the next question for you, other than just to hear hear you 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 talk about. I mean, you you mentioned that actually this is the culmination of the last three years of your of your experience. This is you trying to cope, um, trying to tell people and have them listen. Um, so I I just want to. I don't necessarily want to frame it in any other way than just to have, just to have you sort of talk about, um, talk about this piece and, and really where you, uh, what you're feeling right now, especially given freaking Nazis walking the street, um, and, uh, without hoods. Um, I mean, I know that we've all become accustomed to like just freaking batshit crazy stuff every day but um this past week has been a real nightmare um so i i, I really I, i'm i'm sorry i'm being a, a really shitty interviewer <laughs> but um i i don't even i uh like like i like i said earlier like I, i'm not sure how to frame the question because i just um and I'm not trying to make you do your own labor or anything like that. It's more just like, um, I just want to, I just want to sort of get out of the, get out of the way and just hear what you have to just really publish what you have to say. <laughs> like, so, um, what, um, yeah. what led you to, to write this piece earlier in the month? Um, and how, I mean, this has been a, this has been a terrible week. Like, um, and, but I mean, we've seen, I could have talked, I was thinking about this earlier, uh, leading up to this conversation today. It's like, I could have probably prefaced and said, this has been a terrible week, almost any week this year, <laughs> you know? Um, I could have said that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at any number of occasions, but you know, it it seems like you know this whole year has been you know that hold my beer meme like every single year. You thought last week was bad? Hold my beer, <laughs> like, um, and so, um, so yeah, I I was just thinking about that and like I I could have I could have framed it in the same way really at any point because it's not it's only gotten worse. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to shut up now. Um, and just uh, turn it over to you and, um, just, I, yeah, just uh, the question I mentioned earlier, as far as what led you to, um, what led you to, to write this piece. And, and as far as this whole past week, where, where are you now? Okay. Um, yeah, so people people kind of been asking me um, on on Twitter uh, mostly, but you know, in in real life too, <laughs> um, to kind of at, like to write this like this blog post that I ended up putting up, um, and it really did take me <laughs> the last three years to like process, and you know, as I as I mentioned earlier, like I still. I still don't even feel like I have 
like the the language or the framework necessary to begin to unpack like just how horrific it was when um how horrific the response of like the white Christian evangelical church was after Michael Brown is killed. Like I, I don't, I don't have the language, <laughs> like literally don't even know how to put it into words, like how uh, just horrifying um, that experience was. Um, and yeah, man, this, yeah, this week, it's just been wild. I mean, my, so my brother, my younger brother, he's, um, two years younger than me. He, he lived in Virginia, um, when he was in the coast guard and then for college. And, um, so he, you know, he told us about these clan rallies that they would have, you know, the police would show up to protect these people from, you know, the people in his neighborhood and his neighborhood was largely black. Um, and so, you know, the police would show up to make sure that the people in the Klan didn't get hurt um, as they would march, like, down his street. Um, so this is, like, Virginia Beach area. Um, and um, so I think that, yeah, it's like when, when all of this started happening, I mean, so let's see. I think it was, like, I think it was Friday night when they did their like pathetic little tiki torch march and screaming like racial slurs and whatever and like trying to <laughs> trying to like burn down a black church or whatever it was that they were trying to do it's just like <laughs> yeah again there's people keep saying it's like what year is it like you could you could literally just like shuffle all the numbers around it wouldn't really matter it's like this is america um and we kind of have to own that or it's this is just going to keep happening like 57 like they're still gonna be having these conversations like this isn't our country it's like uh hell yes it is like this is exactly how it was designed and you didn't change any of the original design <laughs> like i mean america was founded as a white supremacist nation i know that that's ugly and like i know that like i know white evangelicals really bristle at that but like it was in the constitution like it wasn't they were hiding it, you know, um, like they literally like wrote it down. You're probably carrying it in your pocket or on your phone. Um, and so I think that like, yeah, when people like, I remember when everybody was like up in arms about, um, Obama's pastor, Jeremiah Wright saying, God damn America. And, um, it's just like, well, I don't know if you like, like, do you really want to like compare? Like, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of this, like, do you really want to switch sides and see what it's like and, and then come back and tell me how you feel? Um, which is, that's kind of a comment I use actually on Twitter a lot is like, okay, you know, you go be enslaved for 400 years and then come back and we'll talk about like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think that it's, like, I think that we really, like, we really have to own this. Like, we really have to, like, be able to have these hard conversations. And I know that it's ugly, and I know it's painful, and I know it hurts, and I know it should have happened, like, 200 years ago. Like, 
I mean, you know, but we keep like kicking the can down the road and like, it's just getting worse and worse. Um, so yeah, I think that, I think that like a big part of the reason that I, that I wrote this blog post was because it's like, we, like, we have to, we have to be able to have these kinds of conversations. We have to be able to talk about like power dynamics and we have to be able to talk about racial disparities in, in policing and not even just like policing and criminal justice, but like the way that like cities fund like infrastructure and the like city planning, and, like the way that they fund schools. And like, I mean, one of the things that like stuck out to me um, from Ferguson was a comment that I saw, you know, everywhere from like every white person in the country of like, why are they burning down their own town? And it was like, well, I mean, I don't, I guess most people don't know this, but like the, the, you know, the black neighborhoods in towns, like they didn't, they didn't pave the streets. Like they didn't get utilities. Like the homes didn't have running water. Like, you know, you certainly weren't going to call the police if something happened because you were going to get beat up and they weren't ever going to solve the crime. Like, um, and so it's like they intentionally, like cities intentionally like created ghettos. Like they didn't provide services, which kept property values down and people couldn't accumulate wealth. And, and so it's like, we have to be able, again, it's like, I keep kind of coming back to this. We have to be able to have these hard conversations about like, the way that like our parents and grandparents and great grandparents behaved because it was horrific and they don't get passes, right? Mm -hmm. Because they have to fix their mess. Like they thought that they could just pretend like, Oh, everything's fine now. Whatever. Slavery's over. Jim Crow segregation. That's over. Like everything is fine. And it's like, no, like we have to fix this or we're just going to keep coming back to this like same, <laughs> the same like ugly spot. It's like you can turn around, but you can't get out. Right. And so mm -hmm. it's like, you can choose not to look at it, but you can't get out of it. And so, um, yeah, I think that was a big, that was a big part of like my motivation in, in writing this blog post is because I really like, I, you know, I know a lot of people can't handle it, but I really do want to have, you know, more conversations with people, um, on, on the topic, especially like race in, and the church, because the church has like, yeah, just the fact that the church didn't go into these black neighborhoods and like fix the infrastructure, you know, like, like install mm -hmm. using like fix, like, <laughs> Sorry, I just wouldn't be laughing at this. But look, the fact that they didn't go in and like fix these schools and like fund these projects we, when they totally could have, you know, I mean, there's like, I don't know, 20 or 30 million Americans go to church every single week, like every single week. And so it's like, we could have taken care of this stuff a long time ago but you don't want to because you don't value black lives. Like that's the only conclusion I can come to at this point. Right. It's, it's like, again, it's been like 150 years. Like I have to come to the conclusion that like, you just don't give a damn about people that aren't white or don't weren't born with bootstraps or however, like however you want to put it. Um, like, I don't know. I can't conclude anything else. Like you're, you're, if you're really okay with like suffering, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, or <laughs> it's just, yeah. Um, there's so like, there's so much, there's just so much to unpack there with like the way, like the way that the church in America has behaved, the way that like the government has behaved, not just like the federal government, but like local, local governments, especially in just like their mm-hmm. and, and states in their just like blatantly anti-black legislation and city ordinances and, um, yeah, it's like at some point, like somebody's gonna somebody's gonna have to like grow the fuck up and like start this conversation because mm-hmm. um, it's not like you know I I know that white people by and large not everyone but like most white people feel very uncomfortable talking about race and it's like you know I'm sorry like I know that it sucks it's not a fun conversation to have but you know if you don't want to keep coming back to this same point over and over again it's like doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Like it's not going to happen, you know? So if you want stuff to get better, we have to like be willing to have these hard conversations. And I think that, I mean, another thing that I think that's important to recognize is that like these hard conversations aren't going to be led by white people. Like white people need to listen mm-hmm. or speak. Um, because like the rest of us have had to listen to you like forever. you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know that, that's like, very true. People left like funny, well, not they weren't funny. They were like meant to be like you know mean or whatever. But the people left funny comments on my blog about like you don't know what I think. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you, I haven't had enough experience with like conservative white evangelicals to have a good idea of like what you think. Like you're not that original. Like you're probably not original at all. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, so I know it's like, it's gotta, it's hard. I like, I get that. Like, I respect that. And I'm not like trying to come after anyone, but it's like, you know, we can do it or like, we can just pretend everything's fine the way that our parents and grandparents and great grandparents did. And like, then our kids are going to have to deal with it. And then our grandkids are going to have to deal with it. And it's like, I don't know. I'd rather just own it and get it over with, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause yeah, like, it's it's ugly. It's like surgery, right? Like surgery. Yeah. Surgery yeah. is really ugly. Yeah. Um, and it looks way worse before it yeah. gets better. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I mean, that's just like that's just the reality of it. Like we have to, we got to be willing to like do the surgery, right? Yeah. Um, because yeah, the way that like the system was designed, it only works for certain people. Yeah. Yeah. And so in light of that, I, what I'm, what I'm, what I want to ask you, uh, and get your insight on is so given the sort of dynamics that you just, just, uh, you just explained as far as like, there's generational dynamics, there's like um, some people from older generations, whether they feel like, oh, this, we addressed this, like the Civil Rights Act, you know, like that, that was, that was good. Um, that was done. Um, uh, then there are people closer to our age that, that's just by the very nature of, um, the fact that the population has sort of diversified, has diversified in a lot of ways. Like there's just a lot more, um, 
there's people are are in mixed race couples a lot more people there are a lot more children that that are biracial or multiracial um like there's all these different there's all these different factors that that add into this um but uh so like even amongst even amongst like the white evangelical christians let's just just for a second like uh, i guess we could talk just about like religious people like white evangelical people that you uh address in in your blog and the sort of people that that hold a hell of a lot of political power in this country um they um there might be a diversity of opinion within them um there there may be some people that think it's not an issue um there may be some people that are feel like Things are like basically racial tolerance is table stakes, uh, like, uh, and then so you've got this like wide wide range. How, um, and like, given your point that white people just need to shut the fuck up and like just listen for a very very long time, um, um, what. What? How do you sort of see the conversation happening? Because uh, I feel like, uh, for some people, they feel like the conversation doesn't even need to happen, and you like have to not, like, not even, you don't even get to have the conversation you want to have until you can convince them to have the conversation you want to have. Like, <laughs> and so, um, I be be. Because I'm, I I don't want to like again I'm not trying to frame it like I'm trying to put um, like the labor on you it's it's be, just because it because of this you you want to have this conversation uh, and I don't yeah I I don't want like I don't want to dictate it like I'd, I'd rather hear how you think it would be the most productive because you know the white people have had the power and they could have begun this conversation a long time ago and they didn't, you know? So, um, so how, how do we, how do we start to have these conversations? Um, yeah, we're like, where do I start? Um, so yeah, I think that the, I think that it's, trying to think of like context here right because there are I, I think that the first and most important thing is to not not have expectations that like someone is going to educate you mm-hmm. um for free <laughs> uh yeah yeah like we've done that we're kind of tired of that um, <laughs> so um yeah I mean I do think that like I do think that it's good to kind of um start by just like exposing yourself to you know more diverse voices um mm-hmm. in context where like i mean i think that like conferences and and books and podcasts like those are all like really really great ways to go um with that twitter 
is incredible. I mean, takes absolutely nothing. And like everybody always, everyone on there is always joking. Like, I can't believe this website is free, but um, <laughs> that's true. Like, Twitter yeah. is like amazing way to diversify the voices that you are hearing from. Mm -hmm. um, and I do, I mean, I do try to try to remind people at least on my Twitter feed of like if you're you know if you're being like if you're being educated by someone like on this platform like go give them five bucks you know yeah like um and I like I try to do that too like people that I learn from like I hop on like my Cash App or Venmo and like try to send them like five or ten bucks just because it's like I'm I'm learning things you know every single day. Um, but yeah, I would say that that's like a really good way to start. But I would also, I'd also have to say like, um, so yeah, be intentional about getting into spaces that have more diverse voices. And like, honestly, like your church probably is not going to be that space. Um, and I don't like, I don't mean this and I don't mean to be mean about it, but just like to be blunt and to the point, like if your church is not a diverse space, it's not going to be a diverse space because you as a white person go up to the pastor and are like, Hey, we need more black people in here. Like it's like, just go somewhere else, like save mm -hmm. energy and go somewhere else. <laughs> um, and like, I mean, this is kind of, this is kind of where I'm struggling right now too, even is like, I've, I would love to find a progressive affirming church in Portland. That's not like all white leadership, all white congregations. I haven't found one yet because Portland is like all white. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I say that jokingly, but it's, it's like the whitest major city in the country. Um, mm. Like literally. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say <clears throat> like you have to, like you have to be intentional about getting into those spaces. And I do think like, I do think churches, are a really easy kind of way to go. Um, I think it's a really, I think that's a really great place to start. But again, like not everybody lives in a, in a diverse city. Like, right. Yeah. I, I'm one of those people that does not. Um, so yeah. Um, I think that that is, that's a really good way to go. I think also, I mean, Again, like don't don't ask people for free labor, but if you can create spaces where you can like, you know, if you have a book club or something, maybe pay someone to like come and talk, like read someone's book that is local and then like pay them to whatever their fee is, like come and talk to your book club. Like, I mean, there's lots of different ways to go about it. And I don't like, I'm not trying to put work on like other black people or like, again, on myself <laughs> or like, mm -hmm. Yeah, like we're just here and available for whatever you need. Like that's, I mean, we have lives and bills that we have to pay too. Right. Um, but I would say that like that's a really, I would say, um, yeah, first like like go to a church that has like, that the congregation is diverse and the leadership is diverse because you can't, you're not usually going to find one without the other. Um and then, yeah, like I would say create spaces or go to sp other spaces like, you know, podcasts and blogs and conferences and things like that where you're um, in Twitter where you're kind of like hearing other points of view that are not um, that aren't your own. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would also say like and I like had so many people in the last week, you know, since all of this stuff happened. <laughs> 
in 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 Charlottesville. Um, had so many people talking about like, you know, I can't like I can't. There's no point in talking to my family. Like there's there's no point like of talking to do any good. And it's like it's your job. Like you know, unless they're abusing you, which I mean again boundaries. Like you sometimes you do have to put up those healthy boundaries. Like that's it's like that's your responsibility. Like there's no way in hell your parents are going to listen to me. Like they're not. Um, I doesn't, it it wouldn't matter. Like if I showed up on their front porch, it wouldn't matter if I like wrote them a letter. It wouldn't matter if I wrote a book and you gave it to them. Like they're, they're not going to listen to me. Right. So you have to be the one to convey what like black and brown voices are saying to your parents in the way that you think they're going to be most willing to hear it. Like parents, family, whatever, aunts, uncles, you know, your next door neighbor who's a cop, whoever. Um, Like a lot of those people are just not going to listen to someone who doesn't look like them. And that's really what it comes down to. So a lot of this, a lot of this work really is like white folk work. Um, Yeah. So, um, yeah. But again, if you can, if you can pay people of color, to <laughs> um, educate you, that's like a great place to start. But then you have to go and have those conversations with like friends, family, coworker, who people who you know will not listen to someone like myself. So yeah, I would say those are kind of like the three, the three bigger steps that I would suggest people take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's very good. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, and. There is a lot, I mean, again, like understatement of the millennium, there's a lot of white folk work to do. <laughs> like, like yeah. yeah, it's, um, yeah, yeah, there, there's a lot for us to do, but, um, I mean, you're the, the, the other thing is, is that like people, people like you that are, that are doing this work that like, that are speaking honestly speaking truth to power that are addressing these things and like we we all need to hear you like we all need to to hear your voice like and we all need to to validate your experience and that that's just the end of the end like you know like we we need uh yeah, I we we just had white supremacists walking around without hoods. Yeah, I mean, we time to time to saddle up and yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and get to work. Like, yeah. uh, there's no, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that's just, I yeah, and all the all those all those things are good. And again, like we have to hear people like you and uh i mean for for my for my part like i'm so glad that you are even willing to to come onto the show and talk to me in this space like and that um and that you're that you're willing to share these these things that you're working on and these things that you've poured so much of yourself into and like um that you are working so selflessly to to do um for the betterment of everybody like 
you know, you deserve all the credit in the world, <laughs> um, for, for doing that. And so, um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely encourage everyone to be, to read and be challenged by the things that, that you, what you've written in this blog post. Again, I'll link it in the, um, in the show notes and I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'll link it in the show notes there, and so that so that everyone reads it because it's it's a it's required reading. Like and read to the end, read it all, and be uncomfortable because we've made people that look like me have made other people uncomfortable for hundreds of years. So you can be uncomfortable reading something for four minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, again, understatement of the millennium. I know. Um, so, um, so yeah, uh, you, you've, you've come, you've had such a interesting harrowing path, like you mentioned, you're not sure where you are now. You, you don't, you haven't found the sort of home as far as like an affirming church, that sort of thing. Um, where, like, how, how did, what's, what, what's your, how do you feel now? Where are you now? As far as all of this, like tumult, uh, you know, that we have nationally and locally, um, and everything, I mean, everything, you know, everything, <laughs> is just that gif of Donald Glover walking into the room on fire, like <laughs> from community. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like that's, that's oh, yeah. like yeah. to make a Twitter reference, like, you know, that's 2017. Like that's, that's what, that's just every, every, like you miss, you, you step away from Twitter for like five minutes and you know, <laughs> like we're going to go to war with North Korea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. This is not so, what I needed. Right, right. So, I mean, this is this is uh, this is this is life now, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so, how do you how do you, how do you feel about about what we have ahead? Um, about what we have ahead. I mean, I I don't. I don't mean I don't mean to be cliche. I really do think like people of color, especially like black and native people, have like way way more hope for the future of this country than white people right now. And I know that sounds really kind of funny, but it's like I mean, the US has had worse presidents than Donald Trump. Like like the US <laughs> had like presidents that were way more racist than Donald Trump ever could have dream of being like and it's on our money <laughs> <laughs> it's on our money <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah i mean i think to me i'm like if 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 a couple like if we can get like if we can get us if we can get a small group of committed people like we can do this I know that sounds super, super fucking corny, and I'm so sorry, but, like, I really do, I really do believe that. I, I don't think that, like, you know, like, all these, like, white supremacists and whatever, they're like, yeah, like, people are gonna die, like, that's just gonna be, like, what happens, because we gotta, like, restore the natural order, or, like, God knows whatever they 
call themselves now. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it does, like it doesn't, I don't think that like, I don't think that that's like how it has to be. Like we don't have to just like roll over and let them win. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is like history is on our side, right? Like, That all all of the all of the data that's coming out, like it's all on our side, um, and um, yeah, I think that I think that um, I think that the moral arc of the universe is on our side. Uh, that doesn't. I mean, there's still work to do, you know, and like. I'm, I'm, I'm not planning on quitting at any time. Um, you know, I think that I'd like, I personally, like I'd rather, I'd rather do the hard, the hard stuff now so that my kids don't have to do it. You know, and I, I don't want to like try to give anyone leeway as far as like not talking about race or racism or racial issues or like racial disparities with your kids, because that is, um, that's part of why we're in this mess right now is because our parents didn't have those kinds of conversations with us. Um, so, I mean, you know, I was raised in, in white spaces, so but I, you know, I didn't have those conversations either. I, I know that like black and brown parents were definitely having, <laughs> some of them are definitely having those conversations on the regular. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know, like, I know that it looks I know it looks ugly and I know that it's like, I know that it's really hard to maintain your own sanity right now. Um, but like, I don't know. I mean, like I can't, I can't speak for like anyone but myself, but from what I've read in the history books, like America's gone through a lot worse. Like black people have gone through a hell of a lot worse. And like, we're still here, still kicking. So, I mean, I think that like, I really do think we, we can do this. Like we can have these hard conversations and we can like change the way that we have been doing things. And, um, like, again, it's like, it's hard work, but I would, I'd rather do it so that my kids don't have to, like, I don't want my kids to have to be like showing up and protesting fucking Nazis when they're mm-hmm. in their 30s. You know, like, I don't want them watching, like, their friend getting hit by, like, a terrorist, like, driving a car at 50 miles an hour down a crowded street. Like, I don't, like, I don't want that, you know? And, like, I also, I also don't don't want my kids to be part of, like, the alt-right. Like, that's kind of, I'm I'm in a weird spot. I'm, like, I've never heard of this before, but, like, I'm black, but my kids, I, I think, pass as white. And so I don't really know how, I mean, they're little, little right now, but I don't know how they're going to identify when they're when they're older, but I mean, I like, like, I don't want them, I don't want them like on either side of this. Like, I don't want them having to do like this, this work. And I don't want them winding up like advocating for white supremacy because like God knows like crazier things have happened. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know, like, I know that it's hard and I know that it's ugly and I know that it's a lot it's, it's a lot of work. Like resisting is a lot of work, but we, I mean, we don't, 
it's like it's like us or our kids or our grandkids. I mean, that's really, you know. So at some point, somebody's got to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big. I think that's a lot of like what it comes down to. Um, is at some point like somebody's got to stand up and and say like this whole thing like was designed intentionally so that white people could succeed and everybody else would stay put essentially. Um, um, and so, um, I do think that, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's like, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of work to be done. Like you don't get, you don't get breaks or days off from white supremacy. Like ask me how I know. Um, like there's always, there's always like something to do to fight and like, you know, so not everybody can do everything, but you can, whatever you can do, like whatever margin you do have in your life. Like, I think that, I think that that is, yeah, like that's what we need to be doing. And I mean, I, I think that like, yeah, we need to, we need to get organized and, um, we have to, we, you know, it's, it's up to us. Otherwise, you know, we're doing the same damn thing that our parents and grandparents did. We're just telling our kids, like, fuck it, you do it. I don't care. Um, <laughs> so, um, can I, <laughs> this reminds me of that, this reminds me of, of, um, in Lord of the Rings and Frodo is talking about how, like, I wish the ring had never come to me and mm. get spots of, like, that's kind of how everyone feels. Um, <laughs> like, well, what did Gano yeah. say? <laughs> He's like, so do all who live to see such times. Yeah. But that is for them to decide. All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given you. Yeah. It's like, yup. So it's like, we can, we can do it or we can be irresponsible and negligent and abusive. And yeah. 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 So make the most of your time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, take care of yourself too. Right. Not, not, don't burn out, please. But like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very important. Yeah. Well, um, I feel like we've, you know, I, I'm, I'm feeling like this more and more, you know, lately that even like two hour conversations, like barely scratches the surface of people's stories. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. um, so, uh, but I, I, yeah, I just feel yeah. There's there's so much more to say. There's so much more um, to hear. Um, so much not 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 for me to say, like, but for for me to hear from you and to hear to hear your. Um, but I don't. I know. I know that it's it's already been quite a while here. So, um, I just want to thank you so much for for what you've what you've shared and. Um, and for agreeing to be on the show. I, I really appreciate it. Um, where can people find you online? Where can they continue to support you in whatever way you might need? Oh, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> right now, I think that the easiest way to find me is probably just on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like eventually get around to like actually making my blog somewhat official. Um, but yeah, I'm on Twitter almost every day, um, unless I'm taking a break for some reason for my own sanity. 
physical health, all those things. Cause like, yeah, we all need that. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely on Twitter at Tori glass. Um, and that's, you know, if you, for some reason want to follow me on Instagram, it's the exact same at Tori glass. Um, and then, yeah, I think that like my blog, if you just want to link to like my blog, definitely, absolutely click over to that. Um, yeah. Um, I do, I've got some other, I've got some other things on there. Um, kind of on similar topics so as well um because yeah i think that i think that there's a lot of there's a lot of work that we need to do and i think that yeah i just kind of want to encourage people like okay well, like let's let's do it let's stop talking about it and actually get something done so mm-hmm. yeah 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 well uh, yeah and i'll link to I'll, I'll link to all of that so that everyone can uh, can find it straight from the show so yeah Tori, thanks so much for, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing all you have. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>